and welcome to another episode of The Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa, and I'm grateful to have you here today. On today's episode, I follow up with Sarah, who is on episode 22 in August. She recently underwent excision surgery. She wanted to follow up and chat with us about how she's feeling. Listen in for the rest of her journey here. And I forget to tell all of you all the time, but I do make a protein bar that I made because I have endometriosis and I was struggling to find food on the go. So if you'd like to check it out, it's itfitsbar.com or on Instagram at itfitsbar. And if you want to try it, I have a code made specifically for you. You can use code ENDO, E-N-D-O, for 10% off. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening about my protein bar that I always forget to mention and being here today. You can always email me if you'd like to be on the show. You can go to my website, melissaboudreau.com, and email me there. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Cycle Podcast, where I am delighted to have Sarah back with us. If you had listened to her episode in August, you knew that she was going through some things, and she is here to update us after she had surgery. Sarah, welcome back. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. We're excited to hear about, you know, kind of the things that happened after your story. And again, anyone looking to hear her full journey, it was episode 22, season two. I'll link it in the show notes. But after we had chatted, I mean, we had talked kind of earlier in the year, what, what's kind of transpired this year? And, I, and we know you had surgery. So after we had our chat, I think you were considering it, but you weren't 100% sure that you were going to do it because it was some travel and we're still in COVID. Um, so what exactly. happened? So the last time we talked, I had just started seeing my endo specialist that I finally found. Um, and so I was feeling pretty good. Um, he recommended that I do strict paleo, which I touched on in the last episode, and I'm still doing strict paleo. Um, I'm almost at six months and I feel amazing. Um, and just to give a, a real quick, if somebody wants to listen to the whole podcast, they can, but I had ablation surgery in September of 2019. So when I came to my endo specialist in March of this year, I was a little leery about jumping right into another surgery because it had only been about nine months since the last one. So our game plan at the time was I was on the Depo-Provera shot, so I was amenorrheic. I was doing paleo and feeling pretty good with that. So I had things, um, they were manageable. Everything was manageable. Um, My symptoms were under control. Yeah, I felt like when we chatted, you were like, I'm kind of doing depo, pale. You were kind of testing that all out when we had chatted last. Right. So um, as time went on, I would say about in May, um, I started to have some pelvic pain symptoms again. Like I felt like I could tell that the endo was still there from the ablation. Although I'm still not having a period, so I wasn't having excruciating pain, I just noticed more symptoms more frequently. And so I thought to myself, you know, I've been going through this for now 11 years. 
I want to do it right. And I want my doctor who is treating me now, my specialist, to know what he's working with because he saw the post-op notes and the pictures from the ablation surgery, but I wanted him to be in there and knowing what, what he was working with so that we could have a fresh start. And so I messaged him in May of 2020 and asked him mm -hmm. if that was an option, if having um, excision surgery with him and his team was an option. And he said, it's totally up to me. Um, it's, it's, I have to decide what's manageable and what's not for me. And I explained my reasoning that I wanted to kind of have a fresh start with him and he agreed. So we went ahead and scheduled the surgery um, for June 16th. What were some of the symptoms really quick before we go into the surgery? I know you said pelvic pain. Was there anything else? Just for people who are listening, I always like to have people describe their symptoms because they're so different for everybody. Sure. So I was having um, the intermittent pelvic pain, uh, so not related to my period because I'm not having a period because of the depot. Was it cyclical though? Did you notice like it was like every eight days or every 20 days or, or was it just kind of on and off? It was kind of on and off at random. And also it was hard to, for me to tell when my cycle was happening. I tried to keep track of that, but if you're not ovulating or menstruating, it's hard to tell. Sure. Um, so it was just random pelvic pain on both sides. Um, I was having a lot of um, bladder issues. I feel just feel like my bladder is never empty. Um, so those were probably the two main things. And again, it wasn't to the point where it wasn't manageable. Sure. But I felt like, you know, I've come this close to having the right treatment. I'd rather just do it. I know I'm going to need excision surgery at some point because yeah. I know I had ablation. So I would rather just do it and get it over with. Right. That's kind right. of my thinking. Yep. I understand. Okay. So then in June, you go in and you have your surgery. Yes. So having surgery in the middle of a pandemic was interesting. Um, I... I'm so, so thankful that I was able to have it. Um, they scheduled me here in Pennsylvania. It was just after they started doing what they call elective surgeries again. Sure. Um, so I was, I was prepared for there to be quite a bit of backlog and that I might have to wait for a while. Um, but I act, they actually got me scheduled in really quickly. I think it was about three weeks from the time that I had that conversation with my doctor to the time we scheduled surgery. Okay. Okay. And tell us a little bit about, yeah, what, what it was like to have surgery during the pandemic. Like what were some of your, I'm sure you had concerns going in and could you have visitors and maybe just a little bit about that before we get into the actual sur surgery. Sure. So it was strange. Um, I was thankful actually that this was my third surgery. So I kind of knew what to expect. I feel badly for people who would be going in for their first surgery because I think it's a lot more nerve wracking. Not that it doesn't, not that it gets easier as you go on. Um, each surgery is its own beast. Yeah. But um, so I couldn't have anyone with me. Right. So my mom and my husband obviously drove down with me but they kind of, it was kind of like a drive-through. They had to drop me off at the door. Yeah. And so I went in, um, they gave you a mask there. Like you had to wear your own in, but then they would switch you out for a sterile one. 
Um, you got your own pen so that you weren't passing around pens to sign paperwork. Um, other than the fact that I couldn't have visitors, it really wasn't that much different. Um, you know, the nurses came to speak with you and get you ready. Um, the anesthesiologist came, my doctor came and saw me before the surgery. So that was all pretty standard. Um, and of course, there were different protocols in place. Everyone had masks on and they were being careful. And um, I had to wear a continuous thermometer on my forehead, like a little sticker. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I remember those from like actually being a kid. Do you like yeah. like a little kid or not maybe I, continuous, but I remember like those ones like you were in school and they would like put them on your forehead. See, I don't remember that. So whenever she put it on me, I was like, can I ask what that is? Because it was just like this little black sticker and um, it was funny, but everyone was just so nice and so kind. And God. um I was nervous because I knew I had never had excision surgery and I knew it was going to be more extensive. Sure. Um, but um, overall, everything went really smoothly and I had no complications, no, no complications in the recovery room. And they just called my family when I was ready to go and they pulled up and somebody took me out in a wheelchair to get me in the car and away we went. So, oh, and that's, so they did it fully outpatient. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And then how, how are you feeling? What did they find? Whatever you're willing to share, you know, how was your recovery? Sure. Um, so he found stage two endo on um, my right and left uterosacral ligaments. I had stage two in my rectovaginal cul-de-sac, which I was expecting because that's where um, my previous doctor had diagnosed my endo, mm -hmm. um, but again, he ablated and did not excise. So it was still very present there when I went for my surgery in June. So I'm so glad that I did that because it was there and it needed to be removed properly. Yeah. Um, so recovery was definitely, oh, I'm so sorry. I missed a big thing. Um, so on my last episode, I had talked about an IUD. And my doctor suggested that we try to implant an IUD while I'm under anesthesia and see if that goes better for me. And I agreed to that. So I have a Marina IUD. Okay. Um, and you're obviously then not doing the depot anymore. Correct. Okay. Um, so I'm off. I had, I did, he had me get one more depot shot after the IUD was placed just to be sure that I did not have a period. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. While that settled. So, so in June, you kind of had both of those things done. Right. Which was a lot of hormones yeah. um, at the time, but I feel pretty good with the IUD. I still have some cramping and we're at, um, I think today's 14 weeks post-op. Um, so I'm taking 800 milligrams of ibuprofen basically around the clock per my doctor's orders to try to hopefully give that some time to settle. Okay. Okay. So I am trying to stick it out. And as long as I keep up with the ibuprofen and keep it in my system, I do, uh, it does keep the pain at bay. Okay. Um, but I did want to mention that I did end up getting a Marina IUD. Yeah. I think that's, surgery. yeah, that's helpful for people listening to, to know that that's an option if they want to get it during the surgery too. So that way it's just placed when you're already under anesthesia. 
which if that is an option for you, I would recommend that because I've had it placed not under anesthesia, which was just absolutely horrific in my experience. I've heard so, it's painful. Um, I've, I've heard both ways. I've heard people that didn't have issues and then I've heard people who had, they said it was very painful. Right. I have as well. And I think that if you already know that you have a painful uterus, getting it placed while you're awake is probably not the best option um, because it is painful. Um, So it is an option to get it placed during surgery. And as I said, it went well. I have had some cramping, but um, that's been managed with my ibuprofen. So for now, I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to try to make it to six months and see where we're at and see if it's settled down by that point. Are you having a, have you had a period since surgery? No, no, I have not had a period since November of last year when I started the depot. Right, right. But the depot, yes. that lasts three months, correct? Roughly? Correct. Yep. So I was getting those routinely up until um, my excision surgery and that last depot shot. Right. So potentially you could be having a period any time now with I the could. with the IUD still. I could. My doctor's hope is that I won't. Yeah. Um but I have not yet. Okay. So we will see what happens. And so how was your recovery? I mean, how long people will love to hear, like, how long did you take off work? How are you feeling? You know, how long did you rest for after the initial procedure? So recovery from excision is much different than recovery from ablation. You, I could tell that what was done was much more extensive. Um, when I had ablation surgery, I took I think a week and a half to two weeks off work and I was back pretty much full, full steam ahead after those two weeks. Um, I still was tired and whatnot until I was fully recovered. But with the excision surgery, um, I took about two and a half weeks off of work and then I went back just part time at first. I would work about four hours a day and that was a lot. lot. Yeah. It was. And you're working, um, are you working just an office job too? It's not like you're standing and you're correct. sitting and it's a lot. It's a lot. Yes. Yeah. Two weeks. That's, inc- that's incredible. I think I took 12 weeks. Yeah. So I took those two weeks, two and a half weeks, and then I started back half half days for quite a while. Um, and that was, that was difficult. And then, um, when I first started back, my employer is very understanding and lenient. I'm very thankful for that. Um, I know like I worked a couple days and then I took a day off. I think it was like a Friday so that I could have a three day weekend. Um, so I kind of just listened to my body and did what I could. And there were times when I would have to like sit down and rest at work, you know, just rest away from any of my work, even though I'm sitting while I'm working, um, or put my head down or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that was definitely, uh, recovery was much more difficult this time. I would say like weeks four to seven were really hard for me because at that point your external incisions are pretty much healed and like everybody kind of thinks you should be getting better, but you're still not healed inside. And I was, I dealt with a lot of fatigue and um, 
not necessarily pain flare-ups, but I would call them flares and that I would just get like achy, almost like flu-like symptoms because I could just tell my body needed rest. Yeah. Yeah. Probably because it was, you know, it's a lot to go back to work and even just like getting to work and sitting and it's, it's so much more than I think we think sometimes too. It is. It is. Even just like having to use your head and think um, and have any sort of mental stress at work mental stress puts physical stress on you. So that's a big, big thing too. Um, So I would say just listen to your body and do what you can. And again, I'm very fortunate to have an understanding employer. I know some people aren't as fortunate to have that. Um, So I was able to kind of play it by ear and see what I felt felt like doing. And it wasn't until about week eight, I would say that I started to feel like a human being again. Um, like I could focus and, you know, try to participate in, in things. And I did not start exercising. Um, I had an appointment at six weeks post-op and my doctor said, it's okay to start doing light exercising, like not any heavy lifting or anything, but you can start walking or maybe doing some body weight work. And I didn't do any of that until I would say 10 weeks. Um, because I just knew I wasn't ready. So again, I would just listen to your body, even if you've been medically cleared to do something, if you don't feel like you're ready to do it, then you don't have to do it. Yeah. Um, I think everybody heals differently and it takes different times. And absolutely. I think that those guys, those are all just suggestions of time, but I agree with you. You have to listen to your body. I think actually, now that you say that, I think I did go back to work part-time after eight weeks. And I remember like driving a mile exhausted me like just driving my car to go have a meeting at a coffee shop by the time I got there I was like I need to go lay down like it's yes you really have to just see how you feel exactly and again I don't think you realize how much it takes out of you until it's time to start trying to do things again yeah um so after the eight weeks you're starting to feel better yeah so I start work full time at that time or not yeah Okay. Yes. I would say, um, I don't remember how long it was before I went back full time. I would say maybe six weeks until I was really like steadily working full time hours. Um, and again, that was a lot. That was all I could do. I wasn't, um, exercising. I wasn't really doing anything outside of working because that's where my energy went. Um, so I just did what I could do with that. And, um, I would say at about 12 weeks, I believe it was, um, I started to try to exercise again. I would just do, um, at this point it's the middle of the summer here. So it was also really, really hot this summer in Pennsylvania. And so I would try to walk. Um, and I would do that usually in the morning before it got too warm out because, um, I don't know if you have this, but I don't tolerate the heat well. Um, especially as I was healing from surgery, it was, it just really drains me. So I did not try to spend a lot of time outside, like in the heat of the day. So I would start walking. Um, I started out doing like maybe a half a mile at first, really slowly. Um, just on the road near our house. And um, that felt good. It felt good to move, but not be putting a lot of stress on my body. 
and I, um, I did not start lifting weights again until just a couple weeks ago. Um, and I can tell I've lost a lot of strength just from not doing anything for a few months. But like at first I was kind of mad, like, you know, oh, I should have started earlier and I, I've lost all this strength and I've, I was in a good place before this. And then you have to just give yourself some grace. Like your body just went through a battle and was trying to heal itself. So it's okay if you're not right back to where you were when you started. And a big thing, I was very similar in that because I was much more into fitness. I mean, I still am, but it's been difficult because the gyms have been closed for so long. Here. Yes. But um, I had a trainer tell me, your muscles have memory and you bounce back so much faster than you think you do. Like much faster than like, yes, the first couple of weeks are going to be hard and you're going to be sore and it's, you're going to have to go really, really light. And you, like you said, grace and, and kind of like, like for me, it was my ego. Like I was like, Oh, yes. I, I know I can do more than this. And then I was like, it's okay. I'm just going to do two or five pounds and, and work my exactly. way. And it was my ego too. And I'm in the gym, like curling five pound dumbbells. And I'm like, I'm kind of embarrassed and I shouldn't be at all. Like everybody starts somewhere and you should never be embarrassed of what you're never. lifting, whether you're recovering from surgery or not. Right. But it was just an egotistical thing, but I, you know, you just have to get over it and get in there and do it. So, yeah. And when I think about the gym, when I felt like that too, it's like, nobody knows what you've been through. You don't know what they've been through. And I promise you, they're more concerned about themselves than they are to even like looking at what you're doing. Exactly. I'm so glad you said that because I'm somebody who, um, and like, I have a degree in exercise science, so I, I know what I'm doing when I'm working out, and I get really intimidated by people at the gym, and I always have, and that's something that I am working on, and I always tell myself, like, you, th you think that they care a lot more than they actually do. Like, they don't even know what you're doing. They're focused on what they're doing. <laughs> yep, yep. They, so I mean, it, it's such a big point, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's great, though, you know, that you listen to your body. I think the the big points rate for people who are listening is like when you're recovering or even before you're recovering, always like listen to your intuition, listen to your body. If you're not ready to go back to the gym and you can only walk literally one lap around your house, that's all you do. You can't feel guilty about it because like you said, your body has just been through a battle. Like exactly. it needs time to heal. Exactly. And there's no like textbook for doing this. There's no textbook for dealing with endometriosis. There's no textbook for dealing with any chronic illness. So like you're not doing it wrong. You know, if you see somebody else that's at eight weeks post-op and they're able to walk five miles, that doesn't matter. It doesn't make your pain or your situation or your body any less valid. So you just have to do what you can do. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. Well, so how are you feeling? I know you're still having a little bit of cramping and you're doing the ibuprofen. Um, how's your stomach with dealing with all that? Are you just making sure you eat every time you take one? Yes. Okay. Um, so I'll mention quickly that whenever I had my surgery, my surgeon found that my colon was full of stool the entire way back to my ileocolic valve, like where your large intestine connects to your small intestine. And um, I asked him why that happened and he said it's just from years of pain and inflammation and everything kind of being in clench mode. So um, 
I believe that the paleo has helped a lot with my stomach just in general and my bowel movements and my digestion. Um, so he has me taking Miralax every morning for six to 12 months um, because I was going to the bathroom, but it was not efficiently emptying, obviously. Yeah. Um, so he said we really need to work on getting that cleared out, which um, he thinks that's a big cause of like nausea after eating and why my stomach bloats all the time and, and all of those things. So um, I really haven't had any stomach issues. And as far as the ibuprofen, I just make sure I take it with a meal and it seems to be handling it okay. Um, I've, I've never really had a problem with ibuprofen before. So um, as of right now, it's handling it pretty well. Good, good. And yeah. how are you feeling day to day now? How many weeks exactly are you out? I believe today is 14. Okay, okay. So I feel really good. Um, I have way more good days than bad, which is just amazing and like makes me want to cry when I say that. Um, and I just started pelvic floor physical therapy yesterday, um, which I was really nervous about because I have, um, I'm still having bladder problems. Like it never feels like my bladder's empty. I have to urinate a lot. And I also have pain with sex. And so I was really nervous about starting the pelvic floor therapy because I just, I just anticipate pain. Yeah. Um, so I started that yesterday and it, I am so glad I went. It was just amazing. Um, like I said, it was only my first appointment, but she thinks that we're going to be able to make a lot of progress. Um, we talked about scar tissue and that I have some scar tissue um, because I've had three surgeries. And she talked about how we can um, do the fascial elongation to hopefully break that up some. Um, she thinks that could be contributing to my bladder issues because if things like if my uterus is kind of stuck on top of my bladder, then my bladder can't expand like it's supposed to. So it signals that it's full when it's not really full. Um, so that's something that I'm going to be working on, you know, going forward. And I'm really excited about it. I, my therapist and I were just a really good fit. I think it's going to work really well. So I'm excited to kind of learn more as I go through that because I don't know a lot about pelvic floor therapy. Um, so I'm doing that. I'm still doing paleo. And overall, I feel really good. I haven't had um, any, what I would call endo pain. The only thing I've had is the cramping, which I can tell is coming from my uterus because of the IUD. Um, and my doctor just basically said, you know, it doesn't like it in there. So it's, it's cramping to try to expel it. So that's really the only pain I've had. Um, of course, I've had some days where my back and legs hurt. Um, he did suggest that I may have some nerve damage like in my hips because of the length of time I went undiagnosed. And so I may never be completely pain free, but for me, I'm in a really good place right now. I'm in a really good place. And um, so I guess I want to segue into just, I hope that my story can be a beacon of hope for somebody. Like even if you've gone seven years now and you've been to eight doctors and they've all told you that you know it's nothing don't give up because if you keep fighting um just 
proper diagnosis and treatment can absolutely change your life. I am not the same person I was three years ago. Thank you so much for saying that. And thank you for sharing just the beginning, the middle, and, you know, this part of your journey and coming back on to talk to everybody about, you know, just the difference in recovery and what to expect. I think it's really, really helpful. And I know Absolutely. all everyone that's listening really appreciates you sharing and opening up. I know it's not easy to open up, you know, to essentially a bunch of people you don't know, but I think it really makes a difference and it helps people understand, you know, just kind of the steps with endo. It, it does. And I think that it's important for people who are further along in their journey, if they're comfortable to share their story, because yeah. I wish that when I was 14 and 15, I would have heard some of the things that I have to say today. And I think it's also been healing for me to share my story. Um, and, and like, I just made a post about this on my, um, on my blog's Instagram page because September 17th was my one year diagnosis anniversary. And I said one year ago, I couldn't have shared my story and told people that there was hope because I was not feeling that I was not in that place, but yeah. so much can change even in a year. Yeah. Um, so just keep advocating for yourself, even when it's difficult and keep fighting, even when you feel like, you know, you've exhausted all of your resources. Um, because if you can find the right doctor and if you can push for the right treatment, um, it is possible to feel better. Yes, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Sarah. It means so much to us. And thank you for saying also a good plug for if you want to share your story on the podcast, please reach out to me. I'll link all of my information in the show notes. But always looking for, for guests on the podcast. And I've reduced my time a little bit on Instagram for people who are listening. So I'll put my email down below. Um, just needed a little bit of a mental break from that. But Sarah, you want to plug your, your Instagram for your blog? Sure. So it's happy and unwell. And the whole basis of my blog is that you're allowed to be happy and unwell at the same time. Um, you know, it's, it's, I'm not cured from endo, but I am finally participating in my life again. And there is joy to be found even when you are in pain. So that is the whole basis of my blog. Um, you can find me on Instagram at happy and unwell on Facebook at happy and unwell and at happy and unwell.com. Um, and again, I just want to spread a little positivity to people who are who are suffering and who are in pain because I do get it and I have been there and I am still there. And so I just want to kind of create a community where we can come together and, and find the good in it. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for doing that, that work too and sharing with everybody. It's very, very helpful. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate your support, listening in, and all of your positive feedback. It means so much to me. If you'd like to leave a review, I'd really appreciate it. If you could do that on Apple Podcasts, that helps us get more guests, helps us get higher search ranking, and I just really appreciate all of that good feedback because it helps people discover the Cycle Podcast. Also, if you want to keep the conversation going, please join the Facebook group. 
there is the link in the show notes and it's just a group a, a very small group of people who listen to the podcast and guests who have been on the podcast if you want to further the conversation and lastly this podcast is not a replacement for medical advice or treatment so always have to put that disclaimer in there please always always talk to your doctor And thank you so much for listening, supporting the cycle. It means everything to me. And I just hope that this is helping you and you're feeling okay today. Thank you again.